Hey friends, welcome to the Inspiring Honey Show podcast today. This podcast episode is so inspiring and packed with so much truth, but it also has something super sweet and special for you. A giveaway! I'm so excited because this podcast also has a giveaway with not only one, but two winners. And all you have to do to be entered to win is follow me at Inspiring Honey on Instagram and follow Jill at Jill Dosher on Instagram. Screenshot this podcast episode and share it on your feed or your story and tag us. Say one thing that really inspired you from this episode. There will be two giveaway winners and the giveaway winner will be announced on Monday, August 9th. I cannot wait to see your post and I cannot wait to find out who wins. Hey guys, welcome to the Inspiring Honey Show podcast today. I'm your host, Gabrielle, and I'm so excited because my friend Jill is here and she's going to be talking about her book, Shallow. We're going to be talking about perfectionism, overcoming perfectionism, and living for Christ. So thank you so much for coming on the show today, Jill. I cannot wait to have this conversation. Thank you so much for having me. Oh my goodness, I'm excited to be here and to chat with you and You know, I love what you're doing and your message and your ministry. So I'm just excited to be on and for us to chat a little bit today. Oh, me too. So to get into our conversation, the first question I ask everybody that comes on um, the podcast is what are the most inspiring words that you have ever heard or been told or read? Okay, wow. I should have like known that and researched that and like planned, but it's kind of cool that I didn't <laughs> because you asking me that question, um, it, I, the words that come to my mind, it's going to sound weird when I say these, but it really, and I actually talk about them in this book and the words that came to my mind were actually given to my husband and I, when we were going through marriage counseling and this, I will never forget this man I admire so much. Um, he was talking to us about marriage. And of course, when you're in the stage where you're getting ready to get married, you're so giddy and everything is magical. And you're like, oh, I'm marrying the man of my dreams and it's going to be amazing and all of these things. And he looks at Zach and I and he said, okay, I'm going to tell you something and I want you to remember this and you'll remember it when it happens. And he said, you will hit a wall. Mm. And I just like sort of looked at him and he's like, I'm just just going to like stop and let you process that for a moment just so that you know and you remember when it happens, you are going to hit a wall in your marriage. And it's going to be like a moment where you think, oh, my gosh, what did I do? And so that doesn't sound like super inspiring, but actually it really is because it's true. And not as only is it true like you hit a wall once, you hit multiple walls in marriage. And had he not said those words, like, man, the first time that came, I might have thought, oh, my gosh, like, what did I do? I made a huge mistake. We should have never gotten married. You know, all of those things. Anyway, when you ask that question, those are the words that came to my mind. Wow. I think that is really, really powerful because as someone, I've been married for um, almost three years now, so not nearly as long, but I think that is so powerful because I know my husband and I have already gone through seasons where we have hit that wall and it's like, Oh my Lanta, but it's like really not talked about a lot, you know? Um, so it's so powerful that you even brought that up and I'm sure somebody listening is like about to get married or like maybe they're at that point when they're in that wall and this is like so encouraging for them. Yes, I hope so. That's what I thought. I was like, maybe like those words could just 
because and know that the wall is like like you can climb over it and you can get around it and and God will give you the tools to like conquer it and your marriage be way better than you were before you hit the wall. So if that's you and you're listening, like I don't know, just just that's okay and that's normal. <laughs> yes, it is so normal and like God is a God of restoration. So no matter what we're walking through, He's gonna restore it if we just leave it in His hands. Absolutely. Okay, so your book, right? So what even inspired you to write your book, Shallow? Like, how did that start? What did that look like? So, yeah, so I honestly, you know, I'm sitting here looking at the book, and it's still like I look at it, and I might see Shallow and my name at the bottom, and I'm like, how in the world did this happen? Um, And the word that comes to my mind is just, first of all, God, and then the word process, like, like God, it was just such a process. I started blogging years ago as a young mom. Um, I probably blogged about nine, nine and a half years before I even, you know, had the first seed planted of this idea that I should write a book. And really and truly, it was just through the years, you know, I, I started blogging about just like mom things, like funny things my kids would do. And then it sort of turned into like, therapy for me. Like I would actually blog about things that were a little bit more personal. Um, but for some reason, things that I could never admit to someone like talking to them, but I could write about. And it was one of those things that when I, like, I never, I'll never forget the first time I put out like a real vulnerable blog for me and I was scared to death, but it was like so many people related to it. And I got so many messages like, I'm so glad you did this. And I'm struggling with this. And it sort of awakened this thing in me that allowed me for the first time to admit my flaws, even if it was just in writing. Um, So that's like how it started in the writing. And then over the years, there were just tiny seeds planted from different people. You should write a book. You should write a book. And I actually wrote a blog called Shallow several years ago. And that was where I, I first kind of had that like, I guess I felt like God was like pushing me towards putting all of these like vulnerable things that I was going through into a book. And, and that's sort of just how it started. And I, it took me way longer than it should have to write it. But I just, I, I remember when I felt like God putting that on my heart, I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. That doesn't mean I'm going to put that for anybody. I'm not going to put it out there. It doesn't mean I'm going to publish it, but I'm going to write it. And so that's just how it started. Wow, that is so cool. Backing it up a little bit to when you started your blog, how did you, I know a lot of women ask me this question, um, and I know a lot of listeners are in this space where they might have blogs or they have things on their heart that they want to share, but they're nervous or they're not, they don't see the purpose in it or they feel anxious. So how did you get to that place where you're like, okay, I'm going to share this blog and I started sharing funny things, but now I'm going to start diving deeper and share like these personal things with strangers on the internet how did that switch go for you and like how did you go from sharing for fun to sharing with purpose that's such a good question and I like that sharing with purpose Um, I think what it was is for me as a mom as a young mom and I know you're you're a young mom and you have young kids like I just felt like I was constantly in this world of like comparing myself or thinking I've I've other moms are so much better and they're, they're doing all the things with their kids that I should be doing. You know, it's just this whirlwind of comparison. Com- Does that the right word? Comparison. I don't think that's the right. How do you say that? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yes. hundred <laughs> percent. So anyway, 
I think what it started was this like craving to know, hey, is there anybody else out there that doesn't think they're super mom or doesn't feel, I honestly think it started with me needing validation that I wasn't the only person struggling. Mm -hmm. I really think that's how it started. And what was cool is that as I started admitting things, God was working like, cause I started with just like things that, you know, weren't that bad to admit and didn't seem that vulnerable. But what happened is that God started working in me and helping me to realize, you know what, Jill, as you start letting yourself see the things in your life that are flaws, that are struggles, that are real, you know, issues, as you start letting yourself see them first, and then as you start admitting them to people you love and trust, to, to God, the father, like, and, and then as you start experiencing healing in those areas, what happens is you just want to share that with other people mm-hmm. because you're like, wait a minute, he really is good. And he really can like heal me from things that I didn't think he could. Mm-hmm. And so I think where it started and then where it ended up was that it started as this place of, I want to be, you know, I want to feel validated that I'm not the only one that struggled. But then where it ended up going is that as God started healing things in my life, because I was willing to admit them, then it got to a place where I was like, oh my goodness, I want other people to know you can find healing. Mm-hmm. Like you, you don't have to live in this, this hiding and this perfectionist image. Like you can't admit, Hey, I don't have it together. And God is a God that, like you said earlier, he restores and heals. And then as you start experiencing that, you just want to tell people about it. I relate to that so much because for me, when I first started, it was all about my cancer and telling people like, hey, God God heals you with miracles. And as like my journey went on and, and everything within my testimony that the listeners know is like God really heals and restores us. So I just love that. I love how you went from a place of being like, hey, I want to share so I can relate with people to be like, hey, I want to share so that I'm testifying for Christ. And like, I think that's just so beautiful and so incredible. Well, thank you. I, I, I appreciate that. But honestly, it really is all God. I mean, it, it really is all God because it's so funny. My book, it's called Shallow and the tagline is drowning in the shallow end of people's approval. And, and as I started blogging, really, that's what I was seeking was people's approval, mm-hmm. even in like, even in my desire to influence people for Christ, I still was seeking that approval. But God can take even our ill motives that maybe we we can't really see yet or let ourselves see, and he can still use those to, to take us to this place where it's like, oh my goodness, like now I really just want to talk about my flaws so people can know they can be healed from them. I don't know. It's just totally God. Oh, God. Wow. I love that so much. And I think that it's so real because how many times do we like do something? I actually just did a live this morning with a friend and we were talking about how we dress and we were talking about modesty and we were talking about like how many times do we get caught up in thinking, oh, I want to wear this because I want to fit in with the world and I'm trying to get approval of the world. Or do we actually step back and say like, oh, wow, I want to live for Jesus. And I think like it's beautiful that you came to this place and you wrote this book about it because we all need that reminder and we all need to just be like pointed to say like, hey, we're not here for other people's applause. We're here to point people to the cross. Exactly. Absolutely. 
I'm sorry, my phone beeped when you said that. I was like, I thought I put it on silent. <laughs> and my son was like beeping in. This is just a real life moment of my mom with five kids. So I'm like walking around my house looking for my husband to like, hey, tell tell our number four child to quit calling me. <laughs> <laughs> no, that is so understandable. I mean, life with kids is just a whole nother ball game. Yes, it is. It is. It's great and it's awesome. And it has a way of pulling out your flaws like mm. no other. <laughs> but anyway, sorry, I totally sidetracked our conversation. There. No, you don't have to apologize at all. That's what real life is. Um, but I want to ask too, like, how did you get to the point where you realized that you were living for other people's approval? Like, what was that light bulb moment that brought you to be like, wow, I need to do a huge heart check and do a 180? Well, so I'll tell you about a moment, and I actually write about this in the book, and I I believe this was the moment when the Holy Spirit was, like, chasing after me. It was not the moment that I was willing to see it, but it was definitely the moment where I felt like that first tug of the Holy Spirit. And in my book, I have a chapter called Homecoming 1999, which cracks me up that I have a chapter titled Homecoming and a book with a book titled Shallow. But anyway, in that chapter, it's about me and I went homecoming queen. I'm a senior in high school. And I remember that moment, like, you know, it was supposed to be one of those moments like every girl dreams of, right? Like your name called and the crown and all the things. And I remember, you know, having that moment and then right after it, going to my car and sort of having this like feeling of, it was like a, Oh, it was like a depressed, like just wave came over me. And I had this thought come through my head that really like was a pretty disgusting thought and something I, I hated to even write about and say on here. But I remember having the thought of, okay, now you're homecoming queen. So you can check that off your list and you don't have to worry about being so nice to people and you don't have to worry about making sure everybody you know, knows you like them and all the things. And I remember having that thought and that was a very shallow thought. But at 17 years old, 18 years old, I couldn't let myself see that in myself. I couldn't let myself, I feel like God was like, the Holy Spirit was like, like screaming at me, Jill, you are shallow. Jill, you are like checking off boxes in your life just because you think this is what you're supposed to do, or this is what you're supposed to accomplish, or this is what how people are supposed to see you. And I feel like the Holy Spirit was screaming that at me in my car on homecoming night, and I just rejected it. I, I couldn't let myself see it. I couldn't see the shyness in myself, and I just sort of said, nope, I can't see that right now. And I think that was the f- first moment that the Holy Spirit was sort of like, trying to get my attention, but I rejected it. But thank goodness that God doesn't just like, oh, okay, I'm gonna let you go. He keeps pursuing us. And so that's what he did in my life. He continued to pursue me. Um, He was like, I'll get you at a later time. And he did. Um, And I also talk about that in the book. Wow, that is so like, incredible. And you even remember that moment, you remember that thought and the Holy Spirit use that thought and that experience later in your life when you're more spiritually mature and more able to hear what God was trying to tell you and what God wanted to tell you. 
Yeah, it's so cool. And apparently, I don't know if anybody else can relate to this, but apparently the Lord really speaks to me in cars and vehicles. I don't know if for me, it's just a time and place like I have to sit. I can't go anywhere. I'm driving and there's nowhere else to go. There's, you know, um, but man, the Holy Spirit has done some wrecking on my heart in vehicles. I think it's for me, I think it's because that's like one of the only places where it's like you said, like it's you're stuck, like you're just sitting in the car, like you're able to kind of have for me driving sometimes if I'm on a road I'm comfortable with, it can be like therapeutic and it's quiet and God like can talk to us the most when we're quiet and we're not focused on anything but him. Yes, absolutely. So when you started like peeling back these layers and realizing, oh my goodness, I am shallow, like what was your first steps in overcoming that and just stepping into, okay, well, this is the real raw version of me and like this is how God created me to be and I can't be this shallow version of myself anymore. Right. Okay. So I mentioned that, you know, God kept pursuing me. And so I think to answer that question best, because it is such a process, you know, there was never this moment of, oh, I see I'm shallow. God, I'm giving this to you. And then tomorrow, everything's going to be great. This was this. And a lot of what I discuss in this book is like 10 plus years of life, right? Of God, like, pursuing and, and changing. And so, but there was this moment and it was in a car, um, where this was when I was like, the Holy spirit came again at me and I did not ignore him. And so the first time that that happened, when it drastically changed my life in this particular area, I was in a car and my husband and I were driving back from somewhere. It was me and him and my infant son bear. He was an infant in the backseat. And so I always like to blame this period of my life on like pregnancy hormones. I just had a baby, but the truth is I had struggled with jealousy all of my life in some respect, because if you're somebody that struggles with perfectionism, jealousy is going to be a part of that. You can't really separate the two because you're constantly comparing yourself. Mm -hmm. And it just so happens that there's always going to be somebody out there that's better than you at something or prettier than you or a better mom or from your perspective anyway. And so that was a big struggle for me as particularly getting married at 20 years old. I was young, I was immature. And so bringing that into my marriage, jealousy was one of the things I really struggled with. And what came with that was I would constantly accuse my husband of things like silly things, like stupid things. Like you were looking at that girl. I saw you checking her out. Like, it's embarrassing to admit, but that was the reality that, um, we were living in. And usually his mode of operandi was just to tell me what I wanted to hear, make me feel better in that moment, you know, assure me that, no, you're the best and you're the greatest or whatever. And we were in the car coming home, having this argument, ridiculous argument. And for the first time, he does not tell me what I want to hear. He sort of breaks the the rules of engagement, for lack of a better word. And he looks at me and he says, he's like, you know, I'm trying to be a godly husband and a father. And you're constantly accusing me of all these just crazy stuff. He says, you know, I might as well just be the person you're accusing me of. If you're not going to believe me anyway, I might as well just be that person. <laughs> and I remember like he said those words looking at him. And I remember thinking, Jill, like you are ruining your marriage because of your insecurity. 
like, like you, like, I remember for the first time, like looking at myself. And so there was this moment where we get in, we pull in the driveway and I get out of the car and I go into my closet and I, I don't, I had never done this. And I literally just start bawling and praying to God, like for the first time, not about what's wrong with my husband, but about what was wrong with me. And literally that was the starting point of God saying, okay, you want to know what's wrong with you. I'm a good God and I'm so good that I will show you because it's in the seeing who you really are that you're going to experience my love at a greater measure. Mm. Wow. That is so powerful. And I know like how easy it is to look at the other person or to throw the first stone and to just cast judgment on others. But like it is really humbling and it is really hard to say like, Ooh, what's wrong with me? Like, what am I doing? What is, what is keeping me from a closer relationship with God? And I think that is so spiritually mature and it comes from like a place of humbleness. And I think that to be able to admit that we really need to go to the cross and go to the Holy Mm -hmm. Spirit. And when you were in that place and you started to reflect and say like, okay, I'm not going to look at what's wrong with my husband. I'm going to look at what's wrong with me. How did your relationship start to change? Man, it, it was pretty crazy. I mean, it, it, I always, I don't know why I'm always so amazed at God doing what he does. But so that moment, from that moment, I remember I've always been a journaler, um, the little writer in me. Like I always, I, I call my, like I always go through seasons where I journal every day and then there's like large trunk of missing time. But when I got up from the floor, I remember going and grabbing a journal and I wrote down a prayer. And it was basically like, God, I struggle with jealousy. That was that was the flaw that I was willing to see at that moment. And I just began to pray for him to deliver me of the struggle. And I would write that same prayer for like day, months. I mean, I would I would write I would pray that prayer like months and months and months. And it's just so weird, like because I admitted it to God long before I could admit my struggle to my husband, because I don't know if any other girls feel this way, but for a girl to admit they're jealous, it's kind of like, yeah, it's like, ugh. Mm. like we can admit like, yeah, I compare myself or yeah, I struggle with not feeling good enough or yeah. But to say, no, I struggle with jealousy. Like it's, it's a completely different word than mm. saying I struggle with comparison. Um, I still think I'm saying that word. <laughs> but anyway, um, So I admitted it to God. I started praying fervently to God about it. And it was probably months before I was able to take that, that admission that I had brought to my father and actually admit it to my spouse verbally. He already knew it was there. Yes, obviously he knew that was a struggle of mine. But when I was able to admit that to him verbally, it was, it was a moment of a chain break. Like it was like, you know, I have different moments in my life where I think, oh, that was a chain breaking moment. That was definitely one because it was one of the first times in our marriage where it was like, no, I'm going to be vulnerable, like really vulnerable, not vulnerable so that you can tell me what I want to hear, but vulnerable so that we can like move forward in this struggle together and find healing. Wow. I love that so much. I, I really love how you said like, For women, it's so icky and weird and hard 
to seemingly say, like, I struggle with jealousy. But like you said a little bit ago, if we struggle with comparison, the root of it is jealousy. Like, that is a huge heart check. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And what Satan will do in our struggle with jealousy is because we don't want to look at ourselves, right? I, I say this in the book. He distracts us from ourselves to keep us distracted. And so we don't want to look at ourselves, and we don't want to admit we're jealous and we don't want to see those things in ourselves. So then what we do is we just notice what is wrong with everybody else. Mm. And in a world with flawed people, man, we don't have to look very far. Like there's messed up people everywhere we look and, and we can even say, Oh, well, they're a little more messed up with, than I am. So, and we camp out in what is wrong with other people because we don't want to look at what is wrong with us because it's too painful or it's too icky for lack of a better word. Um, but that is such a Satan that that's Satan's tool just to keep us distracted because as long as we're looking at everybody else, then we're not experiencing healing in our own lives and in our own hearts. Mm, Wow. That is so powerful. I'm like taking that all in just for myself and, And that is really, really powerful. As you're raising your daughter and um, you have one daughter or you have two daughters. Two daughters now, yeah. Two daughters and three sons? Yes, yeah. So as you're raising your daughters, how are you raising them so that when they fall into comparison, like are there certain conversations you have with them that direct their heart back to Jesus to, to examine, to see like, oh, wow, like, me comparing myself is just jealousy or is there anything different that you're doing with them that you you have learned through your experience and your journey with this so yeah so really and truly shallow I wrote it for my kids for my my, I'm a I I always say first I wrote it for my daughters and then I correct myself no I wrote it for all of my kids, because my sons, as much as my daughters, I want them to understand this idea that number one, like confession is always good, always. And shallow, that's really, really, if you get down to like the nuts and bolts of what it's all about, it's about the idea that confessing who you are, no matter the ugliness, no matter the the embarrassment, no matter the pain, that may come out of this confession, it is always good and it will always lead to healing when you're giving that to the father. And so that's one of the things I talk to my kids about all the time, because growing up, I struggled so deeply with perfectionism that I didn't confess anything because I didn't want anybody to think I was flawed. And so one of the, and I think that's why I developed so many unhealthy habits, like, you know, jealousy and all the discontentments and because I never you know, James 5.16, I think it says, confess your sins so that you may be healed. Well, if you don't ever confess your sins, you're not experiencing healing. And I don't want that for my kids. I want my kids to feel comfortable with coming to us and saying, look, I'm struggling and I'm struggling with this and it's not pretty and it's not, you know, good because all kids struggle. You know, I'd like to believe that my five children somehow are going to be, you know, the exception to the rule and they're not going to struggle with sin. 
but they are. And so part of me writing this book was an admission of, hey, guys, look, this is a book filled with my own struggles. This book is filled with confessions of where I fall short, but it's filled with a God who comes in to those dark places, not the places where I feel like I have it all together and everything looks great and everything's great. But no, he comes to me at the point where I think I'm the worst of the worst and how could anybody love me? And I want my kids to know that kind of love from their, from their heavenly father. And so really that's why I wrote the book. Wow. That is so powerful. And I think that's like just even humbling to hear as a young mom, um, realizing like, well, yes, confession is good all the time, but like imparting that in our kids and, and like knowing like our kids are going to struggle with sin and like how we approach it to them is so crucial. Right. And if they never see us confess, if they never see, you know, there's so many times where Zach and I have had to sit down and say, look, we handled this wrong. We did not do this right as a parent or we're struggling with this in our marriage. Like their confession is something I desire so deeply to be a part of part of our home because without it, then none of us are experiencing healing. And if I'm putting up a front to my children, like I have it figured out, or when I was your age, I had it figured out. Then all I'm that's saying to them is, oh, I better make sure I look like I have it figured out because mom and dad will not understand what I'm really going through. Wow. That is very, very powerful. I think that's like such a great message for a parent. Like I don't ever want my kids to think that I won't understand what they're struggling with. Like I don't ever want to come across as a perfectionist because I'm not. And I think in our like depravity, I think that's the right word. And in our, our faults and our flaws, I'm sure you can testify to this, that all the things about us that make us shallow is what helps us realize how much we need a perfect savior because we aren't perfect. And I think like when we're able to show that to our kids and show our kids our brokenness, it, it helps them go back to Christ even more. And even for our own selves, even for the listeners here who don't have kids yet, like for your own self, seeing your brokenness and seeing that point you back to Christ. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, too, there's just something so powerful about, you know, I think about myself growing up, you know, there's obviously we don't think we're perfect. Obviously, we all know that there's things in us that we struggle with. There's sin. There's all of the things. But there's that part of us. If you grow up in the church, you just think, well, God already knows all that. God knows my struggles. God knows my heart and everything. And he does. But there's a difference between you just thinking, oh, God knows my struggles, than you speaking those out. Like you speaking out your struggles and your sins to your father is a total different experience. It's like an invitation of like, okay, God, like we're, we're speaking this out and I'm speaking it out because I want you to come in it and I want you to do what you do. And I'm giving you full permission for the Holy Spirit to invade my life in this area. It's like this open invitation. And so that's what I always encourage with my kids, like speak out what you're struggling with, even in your prayers. Like, cause sometimes I'll pray in my head and I stop myself. I'm like, no, Jill, speak it out to the father. Because when you speak it, you're saying it from your lips, which is allowing yourself to hear it even louder. Mm. I just think that's such a, an a important tool in our relationship with God is just to speak those things out to him. 
the Bible talks about it so much. There's so many different verses that tell us the power of our words, like life and death is in our, and it's in our tongues. And I know for me, this whole ministry and everything I do is founded around the verse. Kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul and soothing to the body. And there's just so much power in when we actually talk to God verbally and like profess it versus when we keep it in our minds because when we're able to like I know for me like when I'm able like you said to verbally say a prayer and like say like hey God this is what I'm struggling with I need deliverance there's such a difference in my day and there's such a difference in the way like I'm able to handle things and the way that God's able to work in me. Absolutely and you're looking for it you're looking for him to step into those places as opposed to just like you know, randomly going throughout your day. Um, One of my favorite um, parts of scripture is when Jesus, when God goes looking for Adam and Eve in the garden and, you know, you have that moment where they're hiding in the trees, literally covered in fig leaves, thinking that they have ruined it for all mankind, you know, sort of like the, the, the worst moments of all time. And in scripture, God comes looking for them. And he says, where are you? And I think it's so funny, the God that created the the heavens and the earth and all the things obviously knew where they physically were. He knew where they were located, but I think it's cool how he's asking them, where are you? And I think it's because he wanted them to see where they were. He knew where they were. He He knew that they were hiding and he knew why they were hiding, but it was sort of this invitation to them Hey, look at what you're doing. You're you're in a tree. You're covered in fig leaves. Like, come down. Come out of hiding. Like, he wants us to see the places that we're hiding, not so that he can point his finger and laugh at us like the world does. No, he wants us to see where we're hiding so that he can bring us out into the light and have healing. Wow. That is so good. Wow. He wants to bring us out for light and healing. That is just like so incredible and so beautiful to even hear because how easy is it to hide in our sins? I know that when I got pregnant before I was married, I really wanted to hide in it, right? Like that was something that I wanted to not necessarily share with everybody, but eventually I was going to have to. The baby was going in my belly and things kept progressing and we had to share it. And it wasn't until we shared that and it wasn't until we brought it to the light and that we were able to see God like really work in it and bring restoration and continue to bring restoration. So like going off of what you said, like we don't have full restoration unless we bring things to the light because if we're hiding it, like we're not allowing God to work in it. We're just kind of stuffling it. Absolutely. We're, we're stuffling it and we're also listening to Satan heap shame over us. Everything that's kept in the dark, he's just constantly heaping shame saying, you know, if you bring that out to the light, people will think you're terrible. No one will love you if they know. Mm-hmm. If you confess to this, then you will be seen as that. And it's just a lie after lie after lie that is completely opposite of what God's truth is. God's truth is, is they, things that are brought into the light can be healed. Mm-hmm. And so that's the message, I think, as a wife, as a friend, as a mom, as a sister, sisters, like that should be our message. Like we should be people that are safe places for confession, number Mm -hmm. one. And we should be people that are confessing on the regular. I mean, I have to check myself. Like when's the last time you've confessed something, Jill? Because you know, there's sin. You, I mean, I know I have stuff going on, but when's the last time I confessed it? Wow. 
that is so, so powerful. And that is just like such great advice and just such um, a reminder for us constantly to be doing a heart check. I think that I don't think that confession is emphasized enough in our relationship with other people. I don't know if you agree with that, but at least in my group, in my bubble of the world, I don't really think it's oh, emphasized. Oh, for sure. Yeah, for sure. No, I think sometimes we, we we circle up in our Christian, you know, environments and everybody loves Jesus and we kind of think, oh, well, we've sort of got this thing figured out and we forget that we are all still broken people that are dealing with sin. And I think we create even, you know, in the church, these competitive environments of righteousness mm-hmm. who can look more righteous, who can sound more righteous. And, you know, if we're not careful, we can look just like the world instead of recognizing and remembering, you know, that, that we, we don't have it all figured out and that, you know, all of us are struggling with something. And so just sort of being mindful of that. That is so so good and and a hundred percent we have to be so mindful of it I know that even after this conversation I already feel like so convicted to go and just evaluate my own heart and see like okay like what am I doing and like who do I need to confess to who do I need to apologize to like what do I need to do to make sure that my heart space is correct before the Lord oh that's so sweet and I'll and I, I mean I appreciate you saying that um that's really like, like my goal in the book and even, you know, just putting it out there is like, God, if, if somebody, you know, just if it it can be encouraging in any way for you, like it is worth it. It's so worth it. Um, and then I also do want to add to always make sure like in confession, it is very important that you don't just confess everything to just the world at blanket, you know, like, you know, you, you want to be wise in who you confess to and wise in who you lay out all of those things to. Like one of the things I say is that, you know, like when I first started, when I first started confessing, which even sounds weird, you know, it was just God, it was just me and God. And then as he started healing me, I began to confess to my husband who should be my safe place. Right. You know, and it wasn't until years later where I started confessing these things to people that don't even know me, but it was because like it was, there were years prior of God working through me. Does that make sense? Like just being wise and in who you confess to. Mm, I think that's so, so good. It makes so much sense. And I, I like, again, how you brought up it was years because I think a lot of times when we start going through like a transformation or we pray for something, we're like, okay, well, God's going to deliver me tomorrow. It's going to be perfect tomorrow. And when, <laughs> when, when things don't change tomorrow or the next week or the week after that, we get super discouraged. But I love how you keep saying like, this was years and years and years because like God really answers things in his time and like he unfolds things the way he think he knows is best and not in the way mm-hmm. we think so I think that's absolutely. like so powerful how you keep bringing that up and weaving that into it absolutely yeah it's it's a process life is a process and and where I you know overcome some things there's something else that he's still working on the the elementary level with me at you know and I sort of just view life like that instead of you know, trying to reach this point of, oh, I've arrived now. It's more of the mindset of, okay, God, what, what do you have for me now? What can you teach me now? What can you change in me now? And really when you view it that way, it's sort of cool. Cause it's like, you're on this journey instead of it's, you're trying to work your way to get 
better or good enough. Mm. I cannot agree more. We're always becoming and always growing in our faith. What advice would you have to the girl who's listening to this right now that struggles with perfectionism and just living for the approval of others? Like, what advice do you want her to walk away with today? Like, an action step or something that she can do to start helping her live in the contentment contentment of Christ and and mm-hmm. rooting her identity in Him. I think that I would say go to your closet. <laughs> no, but seriously, like I, I think first and foremost, like allow yourself to see it in you. Like allow yourself to admit, you know, Jill, I am really struggling with this or that. Like let yourself see it, let yourself absorb it. And this is a simple advice, but go into a quiet place and sit down and just start speaking that to God. Like, God, I am struggling with jealousy. God, this sounds terrible, but I really want bad for this person that I should love and want good for. Um, God, I am struggling with really wanting to be married to the man that I'm married to right now and think I made a mistake. God, I'm struggling with thinking that I'm good enough or pretty enough. I hate my body. God, um, whatever it is, like sitting down in a quiet place, speaking that out to the Father and just simply saying, begin to change me, like begin to let me see it, show me and change me. And then literally, like I always encourage people to journal their prayers because so many times I forget what I've prayed for, like just the... uh, couple days ago, I was reading my prayer journal from months and months ago. And I started weeping. And I ran in there to my husband. I was like reading it to him. Like, look what God did. Like, like he, he answered it like specifically, like, and I had forgotten that I prayed for that, but I went back and read it. So I would, that would be my encouragement to, to anybody listening, start journaling your prayers. You don't have to be a good writer. Um, just, just write it, just write it down so that you can remember he is a good God and he is a faithful God. And even if he doesn't answer it the way you think you want it answered, he's still going to answer it better. Mm, that is so good and such good advice. Jill, thank you so much for taking the time and having this conversation with us today. How can the listeners of our podcast go ahead and follow you online, get your book, get connected and hear more of what you got to say? Absolutely. So um, you can follow me on Instagram at Jill Dasher. And then if you would like to purchase the book, Shallow, you can purchase it from my website, um, JillDasher.com or from Amazon. Um, so yeah, I would love I would love for you to connect me. If you listen today, like send me a message if there was something that, you know, touched you or whatever. I love to like connect with people um, that I don't even know. It's cool to me. So <laughs> Awesome. Thank you so much. Well, I really appreciate you and I'm praying for you and your ministry and all the people that you are touching and encouraging by your own life and your own story. And so, yeah, just keep doing what you're doing. Thank you so much for being a part of this community and listening to the Inspiring Honey Show podcast. I am so thankful that you are here today, and I am just praying that this episode was able to inspire you as much as talking with Jill inspired me. Don't forget about this podcast episode being extra special because of the giveaway.
All you have to do to enter the giveaway is go ahead, take a screenshot of this podcast, post it to your Instagram feed or your Instagram story and tag us, tag at Inspiring Honey and at Jill Dasher, Jill Dasher on Instagram and Inspiring Honey on Instagram. The giveaway winner is going to be announced on Monday, August 9th. Go ahead, share, post to your story. I can't wait to see who wins.